Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. On today's show, we've got Wendy Provence, a realtor here at EPM Real Estate. I suspect from what I've heard that she's more than a realtor. Um, This is the first time I've met her, so it's going to be interesting to find out what she can tell us about what she does. So, Wendy, could you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how you came to be at EPM Real Estate and what it is that you do? I don't know what I do. How about that? Years ago, I went to school to be a math teacher. I have a degree in math. Mm -hmm. And knew from early, early, early on that I wanted to be a high school math teacher. Cool. And that's what I did. Uh, Started having children after we got married and decided that I did not want to be in the classroom all day long. Mm -hmm. So I taught night classes for a while at a community college. And then after a couple more kids decided I can't do that anymore. So was a stay-at-home mom. Still am, I guess, sort yeah. of. And homeschool mom. Yep. <clears throat> we have uh, six children all together. Been married 27 years. And about six years or so ago, I finally had enough money together to redo my kitchen. That was always the dream wow. when we bought the house. Been in that house 17 years. And, you know, finally had it all together after 10 years of saving and whatever to do the kitchen. And Randy was like, yes, do it. I think you should. It's time. And the kids were like, yes, mom, it's broken. It's time. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I just, I started getting estimates for it. And mm-hmm. I thought, hmm, I just don't know if I could spend all that money on one thing like that mm-hmm. and look back 20 years knowing that it needed to be done again and go, hmm, I'd spend on something shiny. You know, right, yeah. And regret that. Right. And so I asked Randy one night, I said, I don't know. I'm thinking, what if I took that money and invested it in something and made enough money from that to do the kitchen then I wouldn't have spent this money we'd still have it you know for other goals mm-hmm. he was like mm, like what are you thinking about and I said I don't know maybe like flipping a house mm-hmm. without even thinking he said oh yeah you'd be really good at that I think you should do it and I went uh you were supposed to say no right yeah yeah <laughs> so I uh, called my realtor yep um, who is still active in the Memphis area love him love him and talked to him about it and he's like yeah you absolutely can do that mm-hmm. So it took us about six months to find the first one. Mm -hmm. We spent $17,000 on a little house that had not had utilities for over a year. So when you say you spent $17,000... That was to purchase the house. That was your down payment on the house? or No, 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 no. You bought the whole house for (laughs) (laughs) $17,000. What year is this? Is this 1896? (laughs) That's incredible. And I think we overpaid. Wow. Because... um, No, seriously, what year... 2016... You bought a house for tw- in 2016 for seventeen thousand dollars. Yes, that's incredible. It but was. Why don't we just talk about you know what area of town was that? Yeah. Okay, right. It was in Orange Mound. Love it. Yeah. And for our listeners, that's a um, a lower income community that is relatively close to the University of Memphis. I actually lived in Orange Mound when I went to University of Memphis. Would ride my bike there every day. Hmm. Um, so it's it's within a bike ride's distance from the university, but still considered lower income. Okay, so a $17,000 investment. You bought the house in cash. In cash. No loan. No. Fantastic. Yeah. And then I turned to my realtor and said, well, what about you next? Right. And he said, hire this guy. Okay. I said, all right. So we hired this guy. Mm-hmm. 
and I think it was about $25,000 worth of work. He wow. put the floor back together. He yeah. put the plumbing back in that had been stolen out from under the house. Wow. And we put in the kitchen, fixed up the bathroom, did the floors, paint, you know, the usual. And turned around and sold it for 65 which is probably about what that neighborhood could hold. Right. And even today could hold 65, 75,000. I think all day long. I think yeah. we're, we're even seeing uh, adjacent to Orange Mound, we're seeing 85 to 90 for three ones. Yeah. And yeah. this was a three one yeah. with a walkthrough bedroom upstairs. So I guess it could have been a four one, but right. yeah, a three one for sure. And that was an interesting process. You know, a couple of stolen cars had been dumped in the backyard while we nice. were working on it. And, you know, you just deal with it as it comes, and we learned a lot. Were they nice cars? One of them was. Yeah. One of them had, um, it was an older truck. It had, like, the guts taken out of yeah. it. And the other one was, like, an almost brand new minivan. Um, and the wow. police had decided that they hadn't done their whatever crime they were going to commit with that car okay. yet. Oh, okay. Um, oh, they had staged it back there. Uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> Those That's are interesting crazy. phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. To get from my contractor. Well, wow. Yeah, I've had some interesting ones, too. We'll talk about those later in, in, in management. But um, so, so we made a good return off of that. Good. Not a lot in cash because percent of little bit is still right. a little bit. But we considered it proof of concept. Right. And I was hooked. Good. So on the hunt for the next one. Yeah. And looked at several. And as we drove away from one, I saw an empty lot in Cooper Young. And I thought... This is my favorite story. I think of, of all the ones you've done, I like this one the most. I'm not kidding. And I think the listener well, will, will like it too because this just proves how you're, like you're naturally gifted and skilled at being able to organize and manage mm. a construction project. And that's what we're about to get into. I love the fact that you just said, you know what? I'm going to build a house next. You know, and then you did it. So and then I did it, and then you did it, and it's that's the coolest. So <laughs> tell us about that. Yeah, I was. I went to look at a property that I thought would be a good flip, and it probably would have been, but yeah. it needed a lot of work, a lot of work. And for the price, I wasn't sure that there would be a good return. Mm-hmm. So as we're driving north along that street, I, like I said, I saw this empty lot that was not in the MLS, but did have sign in the yard, and I thought, huh. So started driving around the area. This is in Cooper Young. Mm-hmm. Lots of new construction going on in Cooper Young. With so the for the listener, the Cooper Young neighborhood, <clears throat> and you can Google this, mm-hmm. um, is an extremely popular, hip, 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 very hip neighborhood. Very, you know, lots of young people. Very walkable. Lots of young families. It's it's kind of a dream neighborhood for the millennial generation mm-hmm. and and younger. And of course, there are people that that live there that are of all ages, but people that really want a walkable neighborhood to where they they can get to know their neighbors. They can walk to a restaurant. I don't think they have a grocery there yet. Maybe they do now. Uh, I don't think but there's them. there's now that you know COVID's about over. There's entertainment venues there that are going to open up. They've been having porch concerts in Cooper Young. Porch, so, con- so that mm-hmm. sounds like Portland to be honest. Okay. I mean, just very like everybody just kind of hang out on the lawn type thing. So very popular neighborhood. And you found the lot and found the lot. Um, called my realtor and I said, "Can we build a new house?" And he said, "Sure, you can." Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, who do we call for that?" And he gave me another name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I called a couple of people, and when I met with the contractor that we used, who I love now, I think of them as brothers, because we've right. done three projects together, and they're about to do my kitchen. Yay, finally. Wow. <laughs> he said, Wendy, I've never met with a client who had her own lumber takeoff. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> and I said, well, I just needed to know, you know, what I'm getting into. I like to research. Yeah. So we did that one, made a great return. Good. Great return on that one. He was really surprised because we did overpay for the lot. And I felt that when we bought it, I was like, well, we'll give it a go, see mm-hmm. what happens. Um, but we did make a good return on that. Good. And so what was the, the build process like? Just like you, you're doing this for the first time, mm. right? You, you're, you've got your materials list, right? <laughs> that you're buying yourself, right? So you've got your own line of credit or whatever it is that you're working to, to, to buy and have the materials delivered, you know, at the appropriate time. Um, and the, and you're interacting with the builder and he's giving you measurements, you know, as, as far as what to order, what to, you know, the supplies that you need, stuff like that. We kind of shared the load on that. He okay. took care of ordering all the materials okay. as he needed them. And then I paid the bills as they came in. Right. And we did have cash to do that project. Um, we had a partner mm-hmm. on that who still agreed to be our partners for projects afterwards. So Good. that went well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is this the same partner as the most recent sale? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've known them for 20 years right. or more. And then he would tell me, hey, I need this many square feet of tile on the job site by this day. Right. And I would have it there. He would say, I need all your light fixtures by this date. And I would have them there. But as far as like working with the trades, mm-hmm. he did that. Right. And he obviously was, was highly recommended before. And still is, and you've recommended to us that we use him as well, and so yes. um, so that's good. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So, th- uh, were there any surprises during the construction of that property? Anything that was just kind of like, "Whoa, I did not see that coming." No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I had thought through. I mean, every hinge, every doorknob, mm-hmm. every everything, every inch of granite was planned. Mm-hmm. Almost before we got going, mm-hmm. uh, I did decide to sell that one by owner mm-hmm. because it was my project, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure that I was going to make a profit. I thought I knew what the house was worth, and it was it was really close. And that was the project that led me to want to become a realtor because dealing with the realtor on the other side, ethically, she probably was doing everything she thought she was supposed to do. But I did catch her in a couple of things that I knew were not the correct way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I researched it and said, hmm, read my contract, said, hmm. And I thought, you know what? I'm never going to be caught behind like that again. I want to know. And I thought that going to real estate school would teach me those things. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been working in real estate that has taught me absolutely the most. You know about working a contract and how to evaluate a property and right. things like that. So uh, just to like fast forward into the present, um, and eventually, like I'd love to have you come back and talk about new construction and and just your ideas on how investors can take advantage of building. And again, we'll, I wouldn't do it today. I would agree. I would agree. I I, I think that that era is going to come back. Yeah, I think. It um, I think we've got major supply chain problems right now, which that's what's causing the elevation in prices, along with the fact that they're, you know. Uh, a lot of housing is locked up and you and I have never been on the podcast before, but um, 
the uh, eviction and foreclosure moratoriums that we've been going through for the last 14 months, 15 months. They're about um, to come to an end. They're they're about to come to an end. But what that's done is that has locked up a lot of product. And Mm -hmm. so investors who would normally be able to buy foreclosures and a lot of uh, homeowners who who could be in foreclosure right now because they can't evict their tenant, right? It's this horrible, just downward spiral. So anyway, we're, we're, we're leaping forward. I know you, you basically indicated just now that building right now is not on your radar, more or less. It is not on my radar. Yeah. We just, we recently built one that was about 5,300 square feet and our lumber package on that was about $40,000. Oh my gosh. Right, uh, right. Right. And I talked with That my, was pre-COVID or at the very, very beginning of COVID? That was the uh, pre, pre and during, pre, so, pre and beginning. We started that in October. I think we broke ground on Halloween before COVID. Of 19. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So any idea what that lumber package would be he, now? Um, today, I don't yeah. know. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my contractor said he quoted on a house that was similar square footage, $125,000. Whoa. Just for the lumber package. Yeah. Triple. Right. And that was for a homeowner. I said, what are they going to do? He's like, I think they're going to build. I thought, sure. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Go yeah. For those it. are the people that are keeping builders working. Yeah, yeah. Framers. And I mean, we. And remodels. Right. Uh, people are deciding to stay where they are because right. there's nowhere to go. Right. Or they found out it's too expensive to build right now. So right. they are renovating their homes. Right. Um, they've been looking at them for over a year and thinking, oh, I'm done with this. Kind of right. like we have. Right. By the way, uh, Richard. The icon for the podcast is that first new construction that we did. That's our house. Oh, the uh, the beautiful kind of blue, blue, the green blue water, mm-hmm. water look door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And funny story, my husband was in physical therapy and talking to his physical therapist. Well, he likes to talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Figured out that the physical therapist's brother and his new wife were the ones that bought that house. And no way. Yes. That's and cool. Randy, before he said anything, he's like, do they like it? Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, yeah, they love it. He's like, oh, okay, we built that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> he said, but I wanted to make sure they liked it before yeah. I claimed it. Yeah. So. That's so cool. What was your favorite build? Because you've had, you've built two houses or three houses now? New construction, two. Two. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we have the cool one in Cooper Young. And then the second one that you built and sold during COVID, um, which, and that was, that was, kind of a tricky situation i think there were several times that you and i were both kind of like holding our breath mm-hmm. you know like what what's going to happen next because there was a lot of uncertainty at the beginning of covid this whole real estate boom that we're seeing and the lack of product and the the you know hyper growth in uh, property values that all occurred in this more or less in the second half of covid it was mm-hmm. by yeah. by summer in the fall. of 20 yeah, yeah. summer fall yeah. and then it just it hasn't well, I say it hasn't quit. I believe we're beginning to see a, a slow cooling, not necessarily a drop in pricing, but just a slowing in the growth of pricing. Mm. I think I think we've, we've kind of hit a little bit of a, a glass ceiling there. So I guess my question is, you had those two builds. What would you do differently now as far as construction is concerned now that you've been through two relatively different builds? Very different builds. In a in a relatively the second one in a challenging economy is there anything that you would do differently let's also assume that you know the price of materials hasn't skyrocketed right right we're had, yeah we're more normalized with the second one the second one was a very different 
Mm-hmm. Very different neighborhood. Very mm-hmm. different target demographic. High end. Very high end. Um, you know, close to a million million dollars. Right. Um, going into that one, it's probably a good thing that I didn't quite know what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. But my husband was like, "Go for it. Do it. You can do it. You can do it." I said, "Okay, here we go." And we did. Mm-hmm. You know, we made a decent return on that. Mm-hmm. I lost a lot of sleep on it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it was such a big deal. And we had to take on debt for that. If we had not taken on debt for that, I probably would have slept a little, whole lot better. Right. Because I did not feel comfortable with that. In our personal lives, we don't take on debt. Sure. I just did not feel comfortable with that. And with all the changes during COVID, you know, suddenly my children were not at school. Mm-hmm. They were home. Uh, even though we homeschooled four of them at the time, um, or I guess three technically. And the college kid was suddenly not on campus and, mm-hmm. you know. It was just a different, a difficult, difficult time, as it was for everybody mm-hmm. going through that. No regrets on that. We did make a return. Yeah. Um, and without taking on that debt, we would have made a better return, more comfortable. Right. Um, How about this for a question? Do you feel like you bit off more than you could chew with the level of house, with it being so high end? Yes. With the clientele yeah. that was target demographic, yes. Yeah. And I did depend on my builder for that. He um, he does deal with that market um and that was fine he did a great job advising and i did trust him yeah Uh, and that was the only reason that i moved forward because i did trust him right um looking back i wish that i had made better choices okay you know just gone in if i had known then what i know now i would have gone in from the beginning and scraped that lot picked a house plan that was ready to go and moved more quickly Mm -hmm. through the process um who drew up the plans for that one that was a local a local guy Mm -hmm. um he was not an architect but he did he designed the first house that we built got it and was great he had been a contractor before a home builder and um enjoyed he does a lot of remodeling and redesigning and this had an existing home on the lot Mm -hmm. and we weren't sure if we were going to keep it Mm -hmm. and build off of it mm-hmm. or scrape the lot and move forward so that um, and we ended up the plan was built was created around the existing structure but we ended up taking it off mm-hmm. and and doing that so i think if i had to do that one over again i would have gone in more confidently mm-hmm. and said scrape the lot build the Got house it. And let's get this going. Yeah, it's tough because we have friends through scouting mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. have done the same thing and have worked with the same designer. And the whole, you know, keeping the original structure as the central framework, more or less, or the central f- footprint of the house. And then building around that um, is that's a it's a neat design. And there's some cost saving, I think, that's there. Or, or is there not? You think, I don't know. Okay. Um, Materials wise, it might have saved us ten thousand dollars or so to scrape sure. it and move forward. Right. No, just, uh, oh, to to stay with the existing structure, but when you're getting the takeoffs from the trades, they will not guarantee their right. number because they're like, oh, we don't know what we're going to find when we get in there. I'm like, there's going to be nothing here. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find anything. Everything's going to be brand new. Mm-hmm. But they still wouldn't back, you know, guarantee their number. Mm-hmm. But whereas with a new construction, the quote they give off the plans is the quote you hold them to. Right. So there was some certainty with uh, doing the scrape and rebuild. Right. Versus the uh, renovation. 
So one of the things that I think our listeners would would really be interested in hearing about is so I think that you could build anything, Wendy. Like I've seen, I've been to your projects. I didn't get to see the Cooper Young house, but I got to see the the results of it. And we talked through the you know the contract negotiation process and some of the questions that you had. And I saw the spark in your eye about becoming a realtor, which is super cool. Most builders are not realtors, right? Right. It's just you 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 have two special abilities now you know like you can you you can see a you can see a a lot and you can see a vision for it um and you also know how to negotiate the the contract on it and how to represent yourself in the sales process and also in the acquisition process and um you're you're anyway so, so you've got all these skills and one of the things that you and i talked about right before covid was an idea that you had that would draw in investors to where you could build product right. and help facilitate sales to investors who wanted to invest in new construction for the purpose of having rental property that's brand new. So is that is that still something that you're interested in? Like if you had if you if you had a nice, you know, ten or twelve or fourteen lot tract of land mm-hmm. that that you would actually be interested in doing that or have you sort of changed your mind on that i would very much be interested in doing that after we did the first one i thought oh i would love to subdivide something right you know to find that lot mm-hmm. that you could put three houses on mm-hmm. and do that mm-hmm. i think that's fascinating i don't know i'm not sure what draws me to that but i am very much drawn to that yeah. i drew up a plan I don't know, last weekend when I didn't have anything else to do, I saw a lot. I thought, oh, and the house next door for it to it was for sale. I thought, oh. So I started looking around. Yeah. And it's only a couple of acres altogether. Yeah, sure. But, um, you know, in East Memphis. Right. Wow. Um, but there are two other newer six, seven house subdivisions within feet of these mm-hmm. two lots. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's perfect for that. Yeah. So again, for the listener, East Memphis is uh, an an older uh, part of the city. It was really built between the very late forties, and um, or where are there houses over there that are older than that? Probably not. Uh, Huge not, not surge. neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There may be a house here and there, but not neighborhoods. Yeah, so super late forties, early High Point Terrace. Yeah. yeah. It was a it was a post World War II boom mm-hmm. is what it was, mm-hmm. and so um, lots of beautiful classic. You know, I love a nice ranch that's just single story, you know, that's just a huge footprint, like two to four thousand square feet, you know, like and obviously there are houses here in Memphis that are that are that big that are in the 10,000, you know, square foot, all one floor, maybe two stories. So anyway, so gorgeous houses in East Memphis. But what a lot of people are doing right now are tear down and, you know, building a, a new property on top of that. Those infill lots. Lots of infill. Um, yeah, because you can't find you can't find land. If you need land, you have to go out Collierville and beyond, or you know Arlington, Lakeland, and people just want to be closer to town. Uh, their kids are in private schools there. Um, they're working downtown, uh, banking industry, medical industry, um, and they just don't want to be forty five minutes away from the center of Memphis. Yeah. In some neighborhoods, the value when you buy a house is in the land. It's not in the house. Right. How have things changed now? Like, what what is your what is your day to day business um, as a realtor? 
As a realtor, um, two different streams there. Uh, one is still my personal. I'm always on the hunt for a flip. Mm-hmm. Um, we do usually have. Um, we've made good returns with those. Right. Um, and I'm always looking for one. I've made three offers since I sold my last one in February. Um, and of course, they're rejected. I mean, if, by the time it hits the MLS, it's already overpriced. Right. You know. Yeah. So just keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I do work with retail customers. Okay. Uh, homeowners looking for a home. Homeowners selling their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with a few investors. Um, one looking to self-manage. A couple of people looking for flips. Um, that I wish I had kept for myself. Now, no, I'm just kidding. Not really. Uh- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, sometimes you see something, you're, you're like, oh, I wish I could have that. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, man, let me tell you, if I'd known this market was coming two years ago, I would have mortgaged my grandkids to right. buy up every dumpy little thing in right. Colonial Acres that I could get my hands yeah. on. Um, I'd be booming now. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> well, and so that actually brings up an interesting point. I think that a lot of investors are continuing to purchase now. And, uh, you know, uh, amazingly, especially with a lot of our, our out-of-state investors, mm-hmm. um, the value of buying real estate in Memphis is still affordable. Absolutely. Right. And, and so, you know, even though it, it, they may have been able to buy one and a half houses for what they can buy one house for now, it still makes sense for them to invest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we're continuing to see, you know, investors. Uh, we've got, actually got a list right now with EPM Real Estate of about 50 investors that have told us that they're ready to purchase now. They just need access to product. And so the the main, as you mentioned before, as far as your offers being rejected, the main barrier that we have right now to helping them grow their portfolio is that there are so many people you know, for so few houses. Yes. Um, and so there's a lot of competition, you know, for those houses. And so I personally, again, believe that that things are going to change. We're going to return to a, a marketplace that's more balanced. I do believe that it's going to be anywhere from six months to a year from now before we actually feel that. Um, but I personally don't think that investors should say give up, right? Like you're not giving up. I'm not giving up. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. I'm still making offers. Sometimes it's uh, lower than asking price and sometimes it's higher. Right. Um, I checked on one this morning. We offered mm, about a month ago close to our house, East Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, it was listed at 259 and we offered twenty six thousand over asking, all cash, no appraisal, no inspection, two week close, like the best, cleanest offer right. you can do. Um, and there were thirty seven offers on that property within the first weekend, and we didn't get it. Amazing, man! I cannot wait to see. It. And it finally closed. Mm-hmm. It sold for ninety one thousand over asking. A true real estate investor, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, the value of owning real estate is Mm -hmm. so much more than just the amount of interest that you're paying on a loan. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, investors right now, more than anything, are paying, uh, are buying in cash. Mm -hmm. And so they have no loan. Right. They're not worried about interest rates. So we really, Wendy, if I can tell you as a as a newer realtor, right, mm-hmm. for somebody who's been doing this for 20 years, we are seeing so we're seeing a completely different marketplace than we saw when I first got started. You know, people were talking about loans. In fact, all the rage was a hundred 
5% loan, 105% loan to where people were getting loans at five and a half percent, by the way, back in the mid 2000s, loving it, loving it yeah. uh, taking more cash out, immediately being upside down and without any equity in the property. And the reason that they were doing this is number one, we didn't have as much cash in the investor marketplace to buy real estate. Number two, buying real estate from, you know, in another state, right? Mm-hmm. So being a, a, a foreign investor or, or an investor that was out of state was also a relatively new thing, right? So people mm-hmm. were trying to figure that out. And number three, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this. Did I mention cash already? Like there, like there wasn't as much cash, right? And so people are actually making more money on their investments. And so like you, the return that they have on their investment, they're looking to invest without having to take on debt. Correct. Right. The other thing that's happening right now, which is very interesting and we won't get into, is um, the number of 1031 exchanges that people are doing are at a, I've never seen so many in my life. We've never processed so many. Um, and I think that there's a lot of fear out there right now that the next tax year, um, that the current administration is going to either put a cap on the tax benefit of using a 1031 exchange to invest, or there's going to be a fee. Mm-hmm. I would refer to it as a penalty Mm -hmm. for investing more than a certain amount of your 1031 exchange. So once again, to the listener, the value of owning real estate is so much more than your cost to get in the interest rate you're going to pay on any loan that you have um, and any future fees or penalties that you're going to pay to do a 1031 exchange. And I think that people are still going to buy real estate regardless. And I think one of the reasons that we're seeing interest rates continue to come up or other penalties um, being suggested, you know, by by our government, you know, um, as a means of taxation is because they know that too, right? Like everybody knows it's that worth it to buy real estate and to hold on to it as an investment that they're willing to pay those fees and penalties and interest rates. So I would actually counter back that I'm not sure that 6%, that might've been the old number, which would have cooled off the economy. Dude, it, it may end up being like seven and a half, eight percent before we actually have an effect. And I've never in my professional career ever seen interest rates over, I think, six point three five. That just ages you. You're yeah, really yeah. young. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't practicing in the eighties. Yeah. Wendy, I know that you're working with um, a lot of buyers right now. Correct. Who are like what are the types of projects that you want to assist investors with? moving forward like right now if you had investors that called you on the phone and gave you a project and said this is what i want to do like what kind of project or what kind of investment strategy would that be to where you said yes i have been waiting for this call you know let's get going let's renovate an apartment complex Ooh, doesn't that sound fun it does sound fun lots of little tiny houses all in the same spot yeah That's Let's act- renovate an apartment complex. Yeah. Let's. What I love about renovation is the redemptive quality mm-hmm. of that. You take a property that has either been well maintained thirty years ago, you know, they've lived in it and and the family's moved on, um, or it's been neglected and it's kind of an eyesore for the neighborhood. I love taking that and redeeming it back to what it could be, what mm-hmm. it should be, mm-hmm. and it's like a little gift back to the neighborhood. That's super cool. You know? Yeah. Um, I just love that. I feel like as believers, we're called yeah. to redemption. Yeah. Um, we are redeemed to go and redeem. Yeah. And wherever that is. doesn't have to be houses. Um, but for me right now, that is what I'm very 
thrilled with doing. Wow. So we need to find an investor or group of investors that would like to buy an apartment complex. Oh, sure. Yeah. Or build um, a townhouse community. Okay. You know? Yeah. On a little infill lot, six or eight adorable townhouses. So would you do affordable affordable housing? Because, you know, one of the things our listeners may be looking into right now um, is the new affordable housing push uh, for in, in this next year. Um, I think it's a part of the 1.9 or 2.3. I don't know what the how big the plan is now, uh, Joe Biden's current plan to re- restart America. But one of the things that he's looking into is subsidizing the construction of affordable housing for low income um, because he infrastructure is his big that's his big idea, you right. know, build roads back and, better. Right. Roads and bridges. And, you know, for, for, you know, again, for our listener, this is a very current topic, but we had to shut down. Is Interstate 40 still shut down? It is still shut down. Yeah. So and yesterday, I think the I-55 bridge was shut down. No. Okay. It was so, a wreck and it was a big, big mess. Oh, gosh. So, you know, if you if you haven't studied Memphis or taken a look at Memphis and, and seen how, you know, our roads work, and really one of the things that makes Memphis has made Memphis what Memphis is, is Interstate 40. Um, um, a lot of people in, you know, in, in, in our nation are on Interstate 40 at some point in their day. You know, um, it's a major federal interstate that runs between Los Angeles, I believe, all the way to North coast Carolina. To coast. Yeah, coast mm-hmm. to coast. And um, so right now that interstate is shut down at Memphis mm-hmm. um, because we have a crack in one massive uh, piece of metal uh, underneath our bridge. So roads and bridges, right? Our president's very interested in, in infrastructure rebuilding that, but again, on a smaller scale. And this is, let me, I tell you what, I'm going to just make this a pitch. This is a pitch for you. <laughs> okay. The next time we come back, I would love to talk about if you have any ideas on the new federally subsidized new construction push that our, our president has for low income housing. I think there's going to be an opportunity there. I think there's going to be an opportunity for our investors even uh, and to, to, to provide housing in low-income neighborhoods. So, yeah, that'd be really interesting. All right. So apartment complexes, we're interested, uh, you know, in property management for working with investors wanting to, you know, buy and own apartment complexes. There aren't as many as we'd like here in Memphis. There are several older buildings that are here. Would you consider like a quad or a, a sixplex? Would that also be something you'd be interested in? Oh, yeah. And doing a purchase and rehab? Definitely. Yeah. So, um, and there are some that are affordable in lower income neighborhoods right now that I know investors are looking at. So I'd love to take something down to the studs yeah, and reimagine what that could be. Yeah. Electrical, plumbing, everything up to date. Wow. So you don't have to worry about maintenance mm-hmm. and just make sure it's safe, first of all, for a, a new right. tenant or a new homeowner. And then sustainable finishes that are easy to maintain, difficult to tear up. While we've been chatting, I I did a quick bit of research to find some questions people ask about flips. So um, someone asks, what's the best way to get into flipping houses? Cash. Cash, cash, cash. I mean, really, you can borrow from a hard money lender. You can borrow from a bank. You can borrow, take out equity in your house. Um, But as soon as you start paying carrying costs like that, it's going to eat into your profits. And, And if I'm a bit risk averse in that area like I said I'm not willing to put I still have four kids at home living in my home you know that I have to raise and get through college and whatever I'm not willing to put my family's future at risk you know on a gamble it's not really a gamble it's an educated 
gas, not gas, but anyway. Um, and for me, it's cash. Or if you have access to um, two cash with um, a low interest rate, then that'd be fine. Yeah, that, that kind of answers the second question, which was, can you flip homes with no money down? It sounds like that's more difficult to do. Um, people do it. People do it. People do it. It's all up to you. You know, what kind of return do you want? I always, always, when I'm evaluating a flip, I am looking to see if there's a way to 20%, which is crazy number, and we've only hit it once. But 20% lets me know, okay, there's room for... There's room for me to pay my contractors. There's room for me to, to pay for materials and, and everything that I need. There's room for surprises. Um, and there are always surprises that pop up and things that when you get into and you're like, you know, we really need, we can't, we can't leave that. We've really got to fix that. Um, so it takes, you know, if I'm, then we'll land at like 14%. And that to me is success. Um, we've always said break even is, is a happy place. You know, don't lose anything. <laughs> um, and we've never had to. What was the biggest challenge for you in flipping a property? Finding the right people to work with. I mean, you get a contractor who, um, we did a flip in Raleigh, and it was a beautiful home to begin with, very well maintained. Um, great neighborhood, super, I mean, neighbors were on our doorstep the day we walked in saying, what are you going to do over here, you know? Um, and I was on the phone with a contractor kind of fussing at him about the quality of work that he had done in this one particular area and he um he sighed really heavily and he said wendy you know this is good enough for a flip in raleigh and i said whoa that is not what you know the way he said raleigh was that's good enough for this demographic that's your level of prejudice Mm. and um we do not work together any longer like that was the end as soon as he said that sentence i knew that we were done i think that speaks Mm-mm. a lot to your integrity um you know you can't put in finishes in a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house that you're going to put into a nine hundred thousand dollar house i get that but the work that you do is going to be quality work that's well done we're not going to cut corners to save a dollar we may leave something undone but we're not gonna what we do is going to be good quality work if i would move into it okay then that's when i know i've done a good job perfect litmus test Mm -hmm. well wendy it's been great talking to you today for the benefit of the listeners this is the first time i've actually got to meet wendy we've we've been going opposite directions every time we're around but for fun just to finish this out i'm going to ask you some you know fun questions just to see what your answers are going to be oh no what is your ultimate travel destination I like mountains in the summer to have a little getaway in the mountains of Colorado for a month or two in the summer would be that'd be pretty good grown kids come on when you can I'd like to spend a year in New York City come when you can you know just open my house to whoever wants to join us the beach in the fall it's perfect time to be at the beach open the house come when you can um it's with people if we go if i'm if i'm going somewhere let's go together yeah ketchup or mustard well what's the application it's a general question i mean (laughs) ketchup i guess ketchup yeah 
What is your favourite thing to do for fun? I do enjoy quilting. I taught myself how to sew years ago and got into quilting and I love playing with fabric, the colour, the texture. It's a fun way to make art. It's mathematical art. Absolutely. Geometry. (laughs) I've seen it with my own eyes. She's amazing at what she does. She's got a fantastic team. She's very budget conscious. So if you would like to talk to Wendy, you can get a hold of her by going to our website at epmrealestate.com. Is that not correct, Richard? That's correct. Look for her uh, mugshot on the front page. (laughs) Some might call it a thumbnail. Yeah, let's call it a thumbnail. And then um, that will take you to the our team page, and you can get all the details of all our realtors, but you'll see Wendy there. You can click through and pick up all her details. Yeah, and we really want to encourage you to call Wendy, too, because, you know, hopefully you've been able to pick up uh, during this interview that she's very, very positive. She's definitely a visionary. In fact, um, I, I want to say that I think you're the number one visionary at EPM Real Estate, because I don't know anyone else that just looks at a piece of land and says, I know exactly what I'm going to do with this. And uh, and you're that person. So if, if you're a, equally a, a visionary of, a, of an investor and, and you'd like to have a conversation with Wendy about what she can do for you, then, you know, check us out on epmrealestate.com you can give us a call you can give wendy a call uh send her an email one last quick thing that we like to encourage investors to do is to bring us your ideas and also if you find a piece of property on your own that you would like to discuss with wendy i think she would really enjoy having a conversation with you about the possibilities and potential you know for purchasing lots or uh, lots where teardowns are an option and then new construction there Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc.